Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to be back with you and everyone back out in Facebook land. So glad that you joined us and those who are watching us on YouTube. It's good to be back. I was gone last week and I heard Nick said some things about my sermons being long. Yeah, I listen. This one's going to be 63 minutes exactly, so buckle up. We got air conditioning. We're good, right? No, I'm just kidding. No, it's good to be back with you. You know, something you may not know about me, I've been in full-time ministry now for 18 years. Like for 18 years... I've been doing ministry as, uh, as a profession, full-time ministry, but I started out as a junior high youth pastor. You can probably tell by my energy and my funky hair, like, okay, he did youth at some point. And so yeah, I've been for 18 years. I started in 2002 as a junior high youth pastor. I love those years. And those are one of the things that, like, when you talk about junior high ministry, if you've ever been in it, we've got a little bit of a twitch. I mean, like, like you think about junior high, it's such a hard age, man, like, Boys are going through weird things. Girls are going through weird things. Adults are going through weird things, trying to help the teens through weird things. And like this time of our life is just so hard to walk with them. But I found it was just an amazing opportunity for me to be able to be there for those very difficult, hard years. And so it was fun. We used to do a lot of things, and, and we'd have all the teens over and have big teen gatherings. And we were at a large church, so, I mean, there were teens that seemed like everywhere. If you know anything about junior high and high school students... They're like locusts. They eat everything. Like, if they brought them to my house, if it wasn't tied down, they'd try to eat it. I'm like, dude, that's a banister. Don't chew on that, right? Like, like there's just, they just love to eat, and they eat so fast. And so I asked my church, I said, okay, church, we need help. Like, we need people to donate into our youth ministry. Would you bring in, like, snacks and treats and goodies and, like, bake stuff? And, like, you would be the most loved person in the whole world because if I just fed them, that was my budget for the year. So I said, would you help out? So people would help out, which was fantastic. And before I go forward, I want to take you back to the year 2000s. For those who are not born at that time, get ready for a little history. Back in the early 2000s, the resurgence of something that is amazing called Star Wars. So, I, I mean, I, this, this, I'll preach now. That's why it's an hour long, right? Star Wars came out, and so as a young man, like as a young kid growing up, like I grew up in the 80s when the first Star Wars run came through, and then there was a second run, and there was this excitement, and in 1999, Star Wars Episode One was launched. Now, should they have actually made that film as a different story for us Star Wars geeks? I don't think it's very good, but that's a sidestep. But anyways, 1999, the first Star Wars comes out, and it was just pandemonium. It was marketing everywhere. You would get bags of chips with Star Wars on it. You would get Twizzlers with Star Wars on it. You'd get toilet paper with Star Wars on it. You probably couldn't really buy anything that did not have some sort of Star Wars Episode One marketing. You guys remember this, those who were around during that time, right? Like, it's just everywhere. It seemed ridiculous how much they marketed this. So that takes you back to the time that I was a youth worker asking for donations. So I had a call, and so a lady called up and said, hey, Jason, we just had this huge party, and I mean, we've got all this extra food. We've got extra chips. We've got extra soda. we got all this extra. Could the youth use it? I said, well, of course the youth could use that, right? I mean, a, a gateway to a teen's heart is chunk food. So I said, absolutely, we'll take everything that you have. 
And so she came and dropped off bags and bags and bags of chips and soda. And I mean, it was like so much stuff. I'm like, this is like the greatest haul we had ever made in the history of youth ministry. I was so excited for all this stuff. And I look into the bag, and of course, everything is marketed with Star Wars, which made my heart super happy. I'm like, this is great. I get two at the same time. Not only am I having these free, delicious chips, I also get to tell them how Star Wars is such the greatest movies franchise of all time. That's not an argument. It's fact. So I open up these bags. I take a look at them. And sure enough, just like the bag you saw before, there's Star Wars on it. And I start pulling out these bags. And I'm realizing something as I'm looking at these bags. There's a problem completely marketed with Star Wars Episode One, But let's go back to our time frame. That came out in 1999. This was 2002. 2002 was Star Wars Episode Two had just come out. And the marketing was for the new Star Wars Episode Two. These chips and these soda were over three years old. And so I start to pull the bags out, and I'm taking a look at them, and some are open and rolled shut. And I looked at the soda... There was like the three liter soda and it was like half drank and like moldy and nasty. And I started looking through all this stuff and I realized this lady had not gone above and beyond to serve our youth. She was cleaning out her garage. And she had all this leftover junk that she just wanted to get rid of. Now, I, being a junior high youth pastor, thought this would be cool. Let's make kids eat this anyways, right? Like... (laughs) They're not going to tell the difference. And so I opened up a bag, a fresh bag of these chips as I opened them. Now, if you've never smelled rotten, nasty oil, rotten chips, it's kind of like if you haven't had that experience, you're lucky. It is terrible. Rotten oil smells like death. It is the worst thing ever. So I opened this bag, and I couldn't even grab one to pull out to try to eat. It was the grossest thing ever. But then part of me says, okay, no junior high boy is going to notice that smell. Maybe I should still serve him. I didn't, of course. But it was the most disgusting thing. So here I'm sitting as a youth worker with all this stuff. And I'm thinking, why would you do this to us? Like, she knew it was old. She, she had a party three years ago. Three years ago. It wasn't like it was like yesterday and had a big graduation. Three years ago, and she just wanted to get out of her house and thought, ah, the youth will take it. Ah, that's good enough for teens. It's just teenagers. It'll be fine. And I'd like to say that that was the only time a story like that actually happened. But in my youth ministry days, I would get call after call after call about people wanting to get junk out of their house to give it to the youth. Hey, I've got this old, broken, nasty couch. I think like five rats live in it. But like if you, like, if you move the couch real quick, the rats won't bite you. Would you want that for the youth room? Hey, I've got this old ping pong table. Oh, great. We go to it. And it's like completely broken and busted and rusted. Like whenever someone called me, I started to now get that feeling. It's not going to be good. It's going to be junk. And so not everyone gave junk. I'm not saying that. But I'm going to say this to you, friends. The majority of people who said, who called me and said, hey, I've got a donation for the youth ministry, it wasn't good. And then they would call and say, hey, um, I've got a great serving opportunity for the youth ministry. I've got to move. Would your kids come and move me out of my house for me? I'm like, no, I can't do that. They're under 18. If they get hurt, that's a big, well, that's okay. I won't sue them. Like, what? I mean, like, they won't sue. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, people just saw our youth not as this beautiful, beautiful vehicle of what God is doing in someone's life. They saw them as a place to kind of give their leftovers and their junk. And unfortunately, 
It was happening all the time. But I ask this question to you. I wonder this. If those, that, that, that one lady or that person who called with the rat-infested couch or whatever, if he or she would have said, okay, this youth is Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ was in our youth group, would they have given us rotten chips? If Jesus Christ was one of our youth workers, would they have given a broken couch? Like, if they really viewed and thought, this is really Jesus here. Like, I'm viewing these as the precious people, the children, the image, the image bearers of God. Would they give them the absolute junk, or would they start pulling out their wallet and start giving the best? Because the truth is, what they were doing, and hey, there's nothing wrong. There is good reusable stuff. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that someone would buy something brand new, did not know what to do with their old one, and say, ah, it's good enough for the youth. They didn't even give it to adult church. They gave it to the youth. But if you view each one of those precious lives as Jesus Christ himself, I promise you that you are not going to do what they did. You would give the best of the best of the best because we should be viewing them as image bearers of God. And that's where we're going to jump into our scriptures today because Jesus talks about this. Understanding that our actions that we do and the way that we live out our lives affects people's lives. When we say that we follow Jesus Christ, but we don't act like Jesus Christ or think the things that he says in the scriptures are like optional, we actually do more damage than good. Because our job as image bearers and followers and disciples of Jesus is our job is Jesus brought the kingdom of God to earth, this new way of living for us. And now our job is to take this and to replicate it and be a megaphone into the world and say, Jesus brought a new way of thinking. I'm supposed to view every single kid as if they are literally Jesus Christ and serve and love youth, serve and love seniors, serve and love everybody in between. Nobody should get junk. Nobody should be thrown away. It would all be excellence. And that's what Jesus teaches in the scriptures. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. Matthew 25, 31 to 46. If you have your Bibles, Bible apps. Um, as you're flipping there, I'll give you a few minutes because I want to explain to you what's happening here. In Matthew, Jesus is going through a listing of parables. He's listing and this listing of all these parables and these stories. And parables are stories that help give you a word picture to help understand. Jesus taught many oftentimes in stories. He was a storyteller. And what he would do is he would use these stories to help something very practical, very normal in your everyday life, make sense to you of something that was a little hard to grasp because it's a big concept or a completely different way of thinking. And so stories are a way that Jesus did that. And in this collection of parables, we see a very common theme in this grouping. So if you have never read Matthew 25, I encourage you to do so this week. We see a theme. How we live our life on earth matters. Okay, How we live our life on earth matters. We will be rewarded or punished for the life that we live. And thirdly, this is what's going to happen to us after we die and meet Jesus. Okay, So major themes. One, how you live, on your, uh, how you live your life on earth matters. Think about that. Like What you're doing today, what you're not doing today matters. Secondly, you are rewarded or punished for how you actually live your life and thirdly, what's going to happen when you meet Jesus face to face? In Matthew 25, 31 to 46, he's telling a story about that. Read with me. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep 
from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger invite you in? Or needed clothes to clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So Jesus shares this word picture with us. Jesus is coming back, and now this time when he comes, this isn't Christmas Jesus. This isn't seven-pound, eight-ounce Jesus. This isn't wise men and camels Jesus. This is now King Jesus. The first time he came as a humble human baby, this time he comes back as the king, the Lord of lords. He tells this picture. This is what it's going to be like for you guys. I'm going to separate you into two groups. There's going to be a group on one side I'm going to be called righteous, and these are going to be my sheep. These are called righteous, not because of the things that they do. They're righteous because of the work that I did. So Jesus now calls these people righteous because these are the ones who've accepted this idea that they are not worthy to be called righteous. They called out to Jesus as Savior. They heard the gospel and said, I need a king to save me. And so therefore, our righteousness is only because of him. It's not by works. It's because of him they're deemed righteous. Then he separates this other side over here. Over here, he has goats, and this side did not accept it. This side didn't want anything to do with it. This side did not call out to Jesus. This side did not see the gospel because they're not seemed as righteous. In fact, the scripture tells us they're under the curse of sin. So the curse of sin is still on them because they have not deemed Jesus worthy enough to be called their king. So now you've got these two groups, and Jesus says this. It's pretty clear. This side over here, all these beautiful sheep, These sheep over here, they took care of people, they helped people, they served people, they loved people, they fed people, they took care of people. Because that is what I do. They took on my mission. I came, Jesus, I came to do these things, to care for the poor, to help the hurting, to feed those who are hungry, to give water to those who are thirsty, those who are marginalized, these people who need help. I'm right here for them. And this other side over here, it's like, okay, you didn't take the mission of me. You didn't see why I came here. You didn't do anything that I called people to do as part of it. And this side over here, they're separated for eternity. And so when I read this passage, I started reading a little bit. I started thinking about something. Do you note that the people of God do what Jesus wanted him to do, what we are called to do? There wasn't a sheep goat. There wasn't some hybrid of something. There wasn't a liger taking a lion and a tiger and breed it, right? That's some like mixed thing. There was no sheep goat in the middle. There wasn't those who are righteous 
they serve and help those who are marginalized. Those who are sheep goats um, love Jesus but do nothing, maybe something once in a while. And then over here, well, they do nothing. So they're going to get separated. Maybe the middle group, we don't know where they're going to go. They could tip either way. And then the people over here, well, you're good. The thing about this passage that's got to strike us to the quick is that the people of God live for the mission of God. There is no inactivity in the calling of God. There is no sitting by and not taking on the kingdom. It doesn't make sense. Because if you are truthfully and passionately in love with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you're going to say, Jesus, I want to be a part of what you're a part of. I want to do what you want to do. I want to be part of your story. I want to take on your mission. People who are over here on this side are like, I don't even want to be part. I'm not part of your mission. I'm not doing it. I'm not interested in it. I'm not, I don't care about it. I'm going to take care of me. There's a huge separation between these two groups of people. The sheep over here give their life as a sacrifice for others. The goats take their lives as, a, as for themselves. It's all about me all the time. There are no sheep goats. And one of the struggles I have, I'm sure you have in our American culture, is that our American Christian culture lives as sheep goats. If you remember one word this week, remember sheep goat. There is no sheep goat. There is no, I want to be very comfortable and not really help people, but I love Jesus. So Jesus serves me all the time. Jesus takes care of me. Jesus does everything for me. Jesus answers my prayers. Jesus, like, look, he does all those things. But he doesn't say, I'm just going to do this. We're on mission with him. And our mission doesn't make us righteous or get us to heaven or any of those things or terms you may have heard in church world. Our mission is because that's our God and our king. And he said, go. And our king says, go. You say, okay. If you don't go, you got to ask the question, is he your king? Do you know the mission that he has us on to help the hurting, to help the broken, to help the lost, to help those who are marginalized? Or is it really, really easy to sit back and say, I want to be really comfortable where Jesus is a little bit more of my genie. I rub the lamp to get what I want so I can feel a little more comfortable in my life. Now, I've been on countless numbers of mission trips and, all, and, and serving projects when I was a youth pastor. Um, those are some of my favorite things in the world. Why I loved doing that when I was a youth worker is to watch the eyes of a youth see for the first time something that isn't from their world. I mean, it is the most influential time when they sit down for the first time with, at a homeless shelter and are serving meals and sitting down talking with people of the street and they see people their same age living on the street. Or to be in an impoverished country and working and seeing like, wow, not everything is Cheetos and Oreos. Like, like there is a world bigger than ourselves where people are actually hungry on the street. And they start to realize that their little world that they believe is all about them starts to grow and their heart grows. And that exposure transforms them for life. And what happens in this beautiful experience is that a young mind, a young heart, sees this verse for the very first time. And I love listening to them say, I never knew that. I didn't see that. I didn't know about that before. And they take that first step into serving, into loving. And they say, what can I do to transform my community locally? That was my favorite moment. I wish it happened with every single one of the students. It didn't. Some, yes. Some heard it. Some were transformed. Some took it to heart. But remember, there's no sheep goats. Uh, this last, uh, oh, well, pandemic, if you will, our last pandemic, 
uh, the first wave of pandemic, we've been working on different ministry opportunities. And you've heard us talk about our mission and vision about we're out, not in, community, not here. And we have now developed what we call impact ministry. Impact ministry is our local and our global uh, emphasis out that we're going to transform not only our church and our people and Washington County, we're going to go a level further, and we're going to go a level further into the community and into the world. And this last uh, weeks, we uh, picked our first partner, and I'm so excited about this partner in Milwaukee. It's in a place that you're probably not going to be comfortable driving to. It's going to be with people that you probably don't normally talk to. It's going to make you squeamish and like, I don't know if I want to do that, and I don't know if I want to use my time for that, but I'm going to tell you what this beautiful ministry is. This ministry helps the least of these. This ministry walks with people who don't have the privileges that some of us have. This ministry doesn't look at someone's mistakes and challenges as you're to be thrown away. They walk with life to help integrate them back into society to be fully functioning. No matter a bad choice in their life, addiction, incarceration, all the things that Jesus listed that this ministry does. We got to go down and visit and listen to the heart of the ministry and walk around and see what they're doing and meet some residents. And all I can say is I cannot tell you how excited I am for the first time we go. For the first time for you to see, if you've never been on a trip like this before, what Jesus says when he says, that human in front of you, you should see him as Jesus. That young girl, you see her as Jesus. That abused person, you see as Jesus. That formerly incarcerated, you see him as Jesus. You start to see things differently, and you have the heart and eyes of Jesus. You move from being a sheep goat into being a sheep. You start to say, I could give my life for this. It changes the way that you see the world. But it's not just here. We're also working to build our global partner. Right now, we're talking with one of our partners in Bosnia at one of the highest Muslim area, this dude is like, this family's like, like, there's like, you know, Muslims and like one Christian family. Like, it is intense. And to listen about what they're doing to help bring the gospel into a group of people who don't have the freedom of Jesus Christ. And to hear the work that they're doing. And you're going to hear more about them as we'll start to share stories and start to bring in our global impact. And we're bringing partners in that say, okay, what can we do as a church to impact our local, our community, in our world. It's in our vision, our vision statement, if you haven't seen it a hundred times, igniting a movement of radical love that transforms our community and the world. It's not just words on paper, friends, I believe with my whole heart. We make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. I believe that with my whole heart. Like, if anything, if I'm going to die tomorrow, I want to say, Jesus, I tried the best I can to take your mission on. Not start a church, not build a church. I want to take on the mission of Jesus. Impact our community and the world with the gospel. And so I can't tell you how excited I am that what we are doing is going to help you be able to experience something. But this isn't about us feeding you and saying, church, give me another program. Church, give me another thing to do. Church, give me another thing to go to. No, no, no. We're going to show you and disciple you, and you're going to go on your own and bring people with you. We're going to disciple you to disciple others, both locally and globally. It is so exciting to think about what can happen As a church of Mosaic starts to actually embrace this beautiful verse, we start to see all these broken people. The least of these is Jesus. We go down to this beautiful ministry, Hope Street. We're not bringing three-year-old chips. We're bringing our best. We're not giving time left over because I've got everything else taken care of. We bring our best. 
We view and love the world like it was Jesus. Each human matters. Totally different way of thinking than sheep goats. Sheep goats are okay being comfortable. Sheep goats say, you know, Jesus, you're my Lord, but at the same time, I'm not into that stuff. I don't have the gift of evangelism. I don't have the gift of talking to people. I don't have the gift of games and recreation. And what's beautiful about these things, you don't have to have any of those. However God made you, you can impact the world. However God designed you, you can impact the world. Whatever you can give, you can impact the world. So I want to give you a different perspective of the story I told before. To the one lady who brought the garbage old three-year-old potato chips, there were a group of seniors in my church who said our ministry is to bake the snot out of everything for our teens. And these seniors would bake and bake and bake. It, we baked so much. It got to the point that if anyone brought in a store-bought cookie, it was rejected by our teens because they knew that grandma was going to bring the good stuff. Like, they, this, these women poured their hearts and energy week after week, and with such joy, they'd say, here are the brownies. And I'm like, they're not going to make them upstairs because the staff is going to eat them. True story. I had to hide the stuff because staff would hear about it, right? Like, I said, they would be with such pride and such joy, and they'd say they put their heart and love they couldn't hang out with teenagers. Maybe they physically couldn't. Maybe they couldn't get out, but they wanted to serve and treat each one the best, the best. That's what this verse is talking about. But sheep goats. Sheep goats sometimes read a lot of Christian books, but don't do anything about it. Sheep goats can attend on Sundays, hear messages, they go home. Sheep goats might listen to Caleb. But at the same time, live life that's foul. Sheep goats don't look at the teachings of Jesus as being very serious. I want to tell you this right now. Jesus is very serious about what he teaches in the scriptures. He is very serious. This isn't like an option. There is no plan B. Because we understand this now. That one movement of God inside of us can become a ripple effect that transforms lives upon lives upon lives. Why would you keep that for yourself? when the king has told you to make an impact? Why would you keep that for yourself when you can transform people's lives? But it's hard. It's scary. I mean, it's scary to think about, like, the kingdom of God is something that we're supposed to interact with, that we are called to be a part of. It's hard because it's going to make us uncomfortable. It's hard because at the same time we say, yeah, but. I'm here to challenge us and encourage us. And, and I'm just going to be very clear about Mosaic. We're not going to stop. We were made to be on the move. Church, the Mosaic Church was created to make disciples that make disciples. We are not okay sitting here. We're not okay not replicating. It's in the core value of who we are. We believe that we are created and designed to replicate and make disciples. Because when I read my Bible, that's what Jesus said. So when I said, okay, I guess we have to do it. I don't like everything Jesus says. Some things irk me and they irritate me, and that's usually because it's me. There's something wrong with me that's irritating me. Sometimes I, I really struggle with that. Like, but God, I don't know. I don't like that verse. If you've ever read the Bible and say there's a verse you don't like, 
then you're probably reading it the right way because there's things in there that go against our human nature, that go against our sin nature, and you start to say, ah, that's hard, I don't want to do that. But he didn't give us an option. He said, go on mission and love the least of these. Love the youth, love the middle-aged, love the seniors, love the poor, love your neighbor, love those who are in need, love those who are marginalized, love, 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 love. Love matters. But that means we have to actually be like Jesus. It's sobering. And it's sobering for me because I look at my life and how much time I've wasted. Yeah, I've done stuff. I've gone and stuff. But it's not about going. It's about the heart condition. It's about where's my heart? Because most times than not, the least of these happen not on a, yeah, trips like we're showing you or you'll go to a partner. But the least of these happen like in your grocery store. The least of these happen in your neighbor. The least of these happen at your work. The least of these happen in your real life, everyday, normal situations. Teenagers in here right now, there are your friends who are the least of these. There are kids in your school, in your neighborhood that you don't talk to because they aren't good enough for you. They're least of these. There are people, kids who are dying for one friend who don't have a friend. They're least of these. There are kids who don't have supplies for school. They're the least of these. This isn't just an adult thing. This goes through all of us, from kids all the way through. We have the opportunity to be on mission. But it's a lot more than just words. It's not just saying it. I want you to hear this from the scriptures, from James chapter 2, verses 14 to 17. James is a very awesome, irritating book. Irritating in a good way. It's like, man... I really am missing the mark, and this is one of those statements. James 2, 14 through 17, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of them says, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. My translation Sheep goats aren't real. There's no way that you can have a life in which you say, I fully believe that Jesus Christ saved us, saved humanity. Those who are separated are going to go to hell forever and say, cool, I'm in. Hey, good luck, everybody. I hope you make it. You can't say, hey, I love Jesus. And oh, Jesus helped the poor. And you're like, well, I hope you get something, some food. Good luck with that. You can't say you love Jesus and be on mission with him and say, you know what, I, in my heart, I'm not really into this whole thing of like helping people because I've worked hard my whole life. I've earned everything that's mine. What's mine is mine. That's not how this works. Like in James, it says, look, if you say you believe in something, you have faith in something, that faith is going to change the way you act. Now, we're, baseball was back, everybody. I mean, woo, we got something back, right, you know? Um, I, I've been watching a lot of bags tournaments on ESPN, so it's nice to see, nice to see something else. Um, and, you know, and sports are starting to come back. If you're a fan of anything, you know it's fan is short for fanatic. When you're a fan of any sport, I love, I love Brewers baseball, born and raised right by then County Stadium, Miller Park, it's in my blood. Born and raised in Wisconsin, I've got green and gold like dripping through my veins. I mean, I am true blue Wisconsin. It changes the way I act and see the world. But when I'm a fan of something, I don't just say, yeah, I like the Bruce. I say, 
It's baseball season. I got like all my, my gear on. I got my custom-made jersey straight from China. Like I've got like all my, my hat. I get all ready. I get the brats out. I get all excited. Like I am a fanatic. I cheer. I root. I scream. Like you should have seen me in some of these games. Like, oh, that's our pastor. and be super embarrassed, right? Like because I go all out. I'm so excited. It changes me. It changes what I read. It changes what I watch. It changes me because I'm a fan of something. It's influenced me so much that I've taken on the word fanatic. Now let's put Jesus Christ into this. If Jesus Christ really saved you from hell, what better fanatic can you be? If you really believe that the King of Kings loved you so much and died for you to transform you, are you okay just being okay? Is it okay? Like, yeah, Jesus is all right. Like, that's not a fanatic. That's not a fan. That would be a sheep goat. And the the mission here that the faith that we have so implores us that we now have this action that says, what Jesus did, I want to do. What he loved, I want to love. The way he acted, I want to act. The things he cared about, I want to care about. In our discipleship groups, we talk about what does it mean to be a disciple or to replicate or what does it mean to be following Jesus. We have this, this phraseology. I love this phraseology. It's so clear. It makes so much sense. We're being transformed. We're being changed into the characteristics or who Jesus was, the things that he, like how did he act, his priorities, what was important to him for the sake of others. Let me say that again because it's clear to understand this. I'm being transformed to think like him and act like him, to care about the things he cared about, to transform other people. It's not about me. It's about the kingdom of God. And as I'm transformed, then crazy things happen in my life. But if we aren't being transformed to the likeness, you're going to overlook the least of these. If you don't care about what Jesus cared about, you're going to miss some big, huge holes. The gospel is so powerful, so important, so life-changing, that if we just sit on it, you're a sheep goat. There's no such thing as a sheep goat. We as followers must be on mission. And what we typically say at this point is say, fantastic. Pastor, make us a program. Can you make us a program where you can do programs and I'll program this and I'll program that and program, 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 program. You want, a lot of times in our culture say, okay, take me, put me into this environment, take me back out and they'll give me something else I want again. In a lot of ways, we're just doing the same thing. We're just replicating programs over and over again. And that is not what Jesus said. Jesus said, You have to see the least of these. You, every single one of you, must take on the mission of Jesus if you follow Jesus. You. Yes, programs can be very helpful, and yes, we'll have programs, but if you heard what I talked about before with our Hope City partner, we're going to show you and disciple you to release you. Programs will be designed to disciple you, to release you. Because when you keep coming to us, you're going to miss the beauty of Jesus showing you his mission on his own. And that's what we're going to be doing. Though it's exciting, it's scary. Jesus calls us to things that are not safe and comfortable all the time. But it's good. It's good. Friends, are you a sheep goat? Are you someone who sees yourself as a sheep, 
Are you a goat? You say, look, Jason, I'm not even close to what you're talking about. I don't know if Jesus is the king and savior. I'm going to tell you, you are so welcome here to explore this. And I'd love to tell you a story because I've been in your same shoes as a goat saying, I don't know if I really believe this. In my story, I know Jesus exists by what he's done in my life. And there's many people who can share their stories with you. But I can tell you this. The life I live without Jesus is terrible. When I follow the kingdom of God, even when it's hard, it's good. It's always, always, always good. And I wish that I believed it all the time. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I think my way's better, but then I usually get reminded over and over again, the way of God is always better than my way. So will you embrace this? Will you embrace this message and this passage as we end and we're landing our We Are the Church series? This is an important way to end because we talked about so many things in this series. If you missed some, please go back and listen. There's like 85 different ways you can stream us now. I mean, we started with this idea that we are not individualistic. We're made for community. We talk about how you, as a believer, you are the advocate of the gospel and that you need to go out and share. Now, today we talk about we need to serve those who are marginalized. This should be our heart and our passion and our soul and our heartbeats helping those who are hurting. Because Mosaic is not a church. You are the church. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.